Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr. Susie Gage. And finally, it's the long-awaited episode about e-cigarettes. I really hope you enjoy this one. It's maybe slightly different from previous episodes. And at the end, I go into a little bit of detail about why I think there's such a disagreement in the academic community around them. I also mention in the podcast that I'm running a scientific study investigating e-cigarettes. If you'd like to know more about this, we have an email address, which is C, as in S-E-E rather than the letter C, hyphen sigs hyphen study at bristol.ac.uk drop us a line and we can send you more details to see if you're eligible i'll go into a bit more detail as well after the episode but for now scroobius pip and i say why to e-cigarettes All right, so let's talk about e-cigarettes. Yes, because we've we've covered cigarettes and that was a massive one, so yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what I guess I'd probably recommend going and listening to the cigarettes episode first because we talk a little bit about nicotine in that. But in this one, we're particularly going to focus on, yeah, nicotine itself and then e-cigarettes, which are devices for allowing the inhalation of vaporised nicotine. Yeah. And... The nicotine is usually dissolved in something called propylene glycol, glycol, propylene glycol, uh, which is also known as the E number E1520, which is right. used in quite a lot of sort of food preparation. Okay. And also uh, sometimes that's dissolved in glycerine, which is a byproduct of soap making and derived from usually animal or vegetable fat. Okay. There are sort of various different types of e-cigarettes and they tend to be called sort of first generation, second generation and third generation. And the first generation ones are also known as cigar-likes. So they're the ones that actually look like cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so they've got a little glowing, they like look like slightly bigger cigarettes yeah. with a little glowing end that when you breathe in it glows red usually. It seems kind of kind of ludicrous that that's... Particularly now, it's just its its own thing. It seems like when you used to have them sweets that you'd have as yeah, kids that looked exactly. like cigarettes, except this is grown-ups with these yeah, yeah. pretend plastic-looking things. Um, so these first-generation ones uh, weren't very good at delivering nicotine. Right. There's some suggestion that they might have had more sort of 
toxins in the vapor that they did deliver than the later generation okay. ones. Uh, but I think this is probably just because it's easier to overheat them than it is for some of the other ones. Right, okay. And it's this overheating that it people who vape refer to it as a dry puff. So it's really tastes disgusting and try to avoid it. But the research that's shown really high levels of toxins in e-cigarette vapor tends to be in, from machines vaping them in yeah. these kind of conditions which actual people, actual humans, uh, yeah. find quite aversive. So you're not getting the nicotine. You're just kind of in, in, in the dry puff as such. You're kind of just getting... Yeah, you're sort of like... Everything just, that's meant to be helping you get the nicotine. Yeah, just and overheating the liquid and kind of, yeah, yeah. a bit grim. Yeah. But most of the research that's been published to date uh, about e-cigarettes tends to have been done on these cigar-likes, these first-generation e-cigarettes, right. okay. um, which will become sort of important when we get onto the discussion yeah. about why there's a big disagreement in academic circles about yeah. e-cigarettes. Yeah. So second-generation e-cigarettes have a refillable tank, so where you put your liquid, yep. your glycerine and nicotine liquid in there. And they're the ones that kind of look a bit like the sonic screwdriver yep. for, for yeah. Doctor Who fans. <laughs> yeah, um, and now <laughs> there's also third-generation ones, so modular devices, which have even more sort of... So in the second-generation ones, you can add in your own liquid, yeah. whereas the cigar-likes tend to be like you use them till they run out and then you... You throw it away, yeah. yeah. Well, now these third-generation ones, um, actually you can adjust the power as well and which can potentially change the nicotine delivery so you can change how hot you heat the the liquid and right. that can change how much nicotine right. you get. So what do you think is the appeal of e-cigarettes? Um, quite s simply that it's seen as healthier than cigarettes. Um, I, It's going to be f fascinating to see as next generations, because they are st still so new, it's going to be fascinating to see if anyone starts off on e-cigarettes. Mm. It, it seems to be you, you're coming off of cigarettes and you start e-cigarettes. I don't I've never heard of anyone who's never had a cigarette but loves an e-cigarette. It seems like a, a weird one. But yeah, that seems to be the appeal, a healthier version um, and reducing the risk and harm. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we know how dangerous cigarettes are. Yeah. We've known this for quite a while now and the message is really getting through, I think, to people that sort of two and three people who use cigarettes will die prematurely from using cigarettes. Yeah. And we also know that it's really difficult to quit cigarettes. Yeah. So... Um, if an e-cigarette can be used as a method to get off cigarettes, then this is sort of seen as quite appealing. Like, you also get a lot less of the less severe negative effects of smoking. So you don't get yellow fingers yeah, from using sure. an e-cigarette. You don't get the sort of smoking bad breath yeah. that you get from a cigarette. The appeal is for people, as you say, who are trying to quit smoking. Yeah. But I think there is also a culture building up around e-cigarettes as well. So sort of a social aspect, the enjoyment as a lifestyle just choice. Just the term of, of vaping. Yeah. Vaping is a massive th thing now. I mean, obviously we're not going into that here, but it's also in, in, in the cannabis world as well. The, the vaping is this new, yeah, this new hip term or cool term and this, this, this whole thing. So yeah. I think, yeah, there is, is definitely its own culture coming up now. Yeah. And also um, you say that they're most commonly used uh, for people quitting smoking yeah. and I think that's absolutely true but there does seem to be a kind of if you search on YouTube for people doing vape tricks so yeah. like yeah, because true. the amount of um, vapour that you exhale after using them you can do like tricks with them blow big 
vape rings and that yeah. kind of thing. And I think that's also become sort of a side uh, appeal of them as well is to kind of yeah use them in that way as like yeah a yeah that's fascinating show off tool I suppose <laughs> I mean I I love that of 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 this long series now of educational uh, podcasts that we are going to have someone who the first time they've gone and done any extra research is going to be to go and look at vape tricks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just go on Instagram or YouTube and go, oh this is good yeah <laughs> mm. <laughs> okay so um. The short-term effects of e-cigarettes yeah. is the nicotine hit, really. Yeah. Um, for a sort of more in-depth discussion of the effects of nicotine, I'd recommend going and listening to the cigarette episode. Yeah. I don't think yeah. we really need to repeat all of that again. But no. um, the nicotine hit that you get from an e-cigarette isn't necessarily quite as immediate as you get from smoking. Like Certainly with the first-generation cigar-likes, you didn't... if you plot a graph of sort of um, nicotine content. Yeah. Um, for a cigarette, you get this really strong spike almost immediately and then it dies away also very quickly. And so if you look at a person's um, nicotine sort of or levels throughout the day, you get these high spikes that, and then a gradual increase of sort of baseline nicotine throughout yeah. the day, but interspersed with the spikes of when they of smoke the cigarette, actual cigarettes. Yeah. Whereas if you plotted certainly the first generation cigarettes, you just you just get the very low level kind of smooth curve of a very slight increase in nicotine. So bump, yeah. they weren't particularly satisfying right. to smokers. And yeah. that's why quite a lot of people who used first generation e-cigarettes didn't stick it out and went yeah. back to smoking. Yeah. But the um, e-cigs are getting better at delivering nicotine. So you're getting more of a hit. It's still not quite the same as a cigarette, but it's but it's certainly better. It's, 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 it's a fascinating one that it kind of, it took so long for these to come about because on the kind of the thing I would always hear as as I was growing up of oh it's not the nicotine that's that's bad for you it's the nicotine that's addictive mm -hmm. and it's everything else in the the cigarette that's giving you cancer and so on and so forth but it's like well it's crazy that that was something that people would say all the time was a commonly known thing and no one went well let's get rid of the other bits <laughs> let's just if this bit's addictive let's keep that you know, yeah. for whatever reason, but let's, uh, let's well, remove the that's, more I mean, it's bits. not quite true because we've had nicotine replacement therapy. Yeah, for, yeah. and patches I, I and whatnot. Around, yeah. yeah, certainly a good few decades mm. now. And in fact, the sort of negative things that are said about e-cigarettes now were also said about nicotine replacement therapy when right. it started, the idea that it would perpetuate addiction yeah. and that kind of thing. It would actually make it harder for people to give up smoking because right. they were still getting the nicotine, which is the addictive yeah. thing. But I think this is also to do with what we've talked about in lots of other podcasts about method of delivery and how that sure. changes how addictive a substance is. So with a cigarette, you get that hit almost immediately. But with nicotine replacement therapy, which tended to be absorbed through the skin or through the mouth, yeah. you didn't get the immediate hit. So it wasn't as satisfying as smoking. Yeah, sure. Um, which means that if you also break the kind of psychological um, rituals surrounding smoking and that kind of thing that can also keep the addiction, then you will slowly lose your tolerance or like your dependence on nicotine. Yeah. yeah. Um, nicotine replacement therapy kind of had all of these, this sort of negative things said about it as well that we're now hearing about e-cigarettes. I think that's quite interesting in terms of what you said just now makes perfect sense apart yeah. from 
people really was... worry about the addiction aspect yeah, sure. of it. Yeah. And that if you don't break the addiction, then people will just go back to smoking. Of course, yeah. How true that is, is very, very hard to, to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of the sort of longer term effects of e-cigarettes, this is where there's still a lot of debate going on at the moment yeah. because they haven't been around for long enough to really look at the long term yeah. um, effects. And as I mentioned, that most of the research done so far has been on e-cigarettes that aren't that weren't particularly good at delivering nicotine, which is sort yeah. of the one thing that they have to do. Yeah, that's their one job. So do they help people quit cigarettes? And there's there's mixed evidence, but I think it sort of depends on how you conduct the research. So the Cochrane Review, which is sort of the gold standard in kind of a systematic review of all the available evidence of, yep. of high quality, they published a big uh, what's called a meta-analysis recently mm-hmm. where they took all the studies that have been done so far and sort of combined them all together and that seemed to show that there's the evidence so far points to yes they can help people quit smoking right but there's still not that much evidence it's probably not the best way to quit smoking it seems like the best way is using what's called um pharmacotherapy right. so taking a drug there's a drug called varenicline it's also known as champix and that seems to be the most effective method for getting people to quit mm-hmm. smoking and with behavioral support as well yeah but the evidence from looking at e-cigarettes so far suggests they they do seem to help people quit. But another study was published, which was also a meta-analysis, which showed that e-cigarettes didn't help people quit, and in fact they prevented people from quitting. Right. And... The reason is is that it depends on sort of it depends on who you ask, which sounds like an obvious thing to say. But if you the way you design your study, if you're asking people who've sort of tried and failed to quit, then you're kind of biasing yourself against the answer. What's better to do is ask people about their previous quit attempt. If you want to because you don't want to end up with being systematically more likely to ask people who failed to quit. Yeah. Because it didn't work, therefore you, it's going to... Exactly. Gonna if you, you sort of lose all the people who've successfully quit because you don't you don't get to them yeah. to ask them. So they're all off running in fields with healthy lungs and, <laughs> and, and, and wonderful new lives. <laughs> well, yeah, if, if they're just not in the in the population that you're sampling yeah, from, then, yeah. then you, you, you sort get, of miss them out yeah, and it can give you a really yeah, biased picture. And, there's, and that's what um, a lot of researchers think has happened with this study that found that they were no help is because they were only asking people who didn't manage to yeah. rather than taking a representative sample and including the people who have already quit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really difficult and it's, there's a lot of... Uh, trials going on at the moment um looking into this and hopefully we'll be able to more definitively say soon about just how effective they are but also e-cigarettes have been around for long enough now that we can actually see at a population level that rates of smoking went down in the uk between 2014 and 2015 right and this was at a time when a lot of the sort of more traditional stop smoking services and things were being cut we can't say that it was definitely e-cigarettes, yeah. but the evidence points to that reduction being around yeah, the time that, that e-cigarettes period. really started increasing in popularity. It's interesting that again how important the improvements are, I guess, because it was interesting to hear on the early ones um, that they kind of gave a bit of a rise and not much, because 
I remember the first time I saw, I had a mate who was smoking them. I w- I we were on a, a long journey somewhere and he'd be smoking his e-cigarette and then when we'd stop, he'd have a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, in my mind, that's that's not helping at all. But that makes perfect sense because if he was n- never getting enough of a hit, all he's doing essentially by smoking the e-cigarette is teasing himself to, <laughs> to then want that... The actual that proper yeah, hit when he gets a chance, but yeah. as I said, if they've improved and increased, then hopefully on the modern ones you'd be having that. And when you get out, you wouldn't have as much of a craving for that that ramped up hit. Yeah, and I think the other thing that might be missing from these kind of studies looking at how effective they are to quit is that it's potentially different people than people who would actually go to a stop smoking service to get advice for how to quit. Yeah, the people yeah. using e-cigarettes might be people who wouldn't have actually even considered trying to quit otherwise. Yeah, sure. And, and yeah, I mean, to me, it seems like a no-brainer, really, that if, if, if it can help you get off cigarettes, then it's, it's better than, than staying smoking cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, of course. The other, uh, well, not the other, there's quite a few more longer-term effects. So whether e-cigarettes more long-term are going to renormalize smoking in society. Yeah. And, I mean, I think this might have been an argument with the first-generation ones where it sort of looked a bit more like smoking, but e-cigarettes look quite different yeah. to cigarettes. The What you exhale, the vape, looks different to cigarette smoke. Yeah. So I think, I think this is a, a sort of, I don't know, personally, I don't think it's enough like smoking to renormalize smoking and I think that the advertising is slightly being uh, monitored a bit more now in order to try and prevent sort of advertising making it sort of appeal in the same way that smoking yeah, did yeah but it's also important to note that adverts for e-cigarettes tend to pitch them as a device to help you quit smoking and they tend to truthfully say that they're less harmful than smoking yeah and truthfully say that they can probably help you quit smoking yeah so they're sort of the E-cigarette adverts are quite anti-smoking in yeah, a way. Yeah, completely. And it's, 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 I mean, we're talking about that if they can help you quit smoking, there's it's got to be better than smoking. But even if they can help you reduce the amount of cigarettes you smoke, then that's got to be a benefit as well, right? Even if it's not a stop completely. Do you know what I mean? If 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 you smoke an e-cigarette for most of the day, and then at some point you have your one cigarette, then Surely, even a reduction is an is a is a step in the right direction. Well, if you uh, when we talked about cigarettes in the cigarette episode, I mentioned that actually people who reduce their oh, right cigarettes no, yeah, tend sorry. to smoke more yeah. heavily to get more nicotine. To have that harder drag, but harder, yeah, if you're already getting a baseline level of nicotine from your e-cigarette, the, then yeah. that might. In fact, I want to do this experiment. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, might yeah, have just yeah. inspired me to write my next grant. Great. Um, <laughs> Uh, because I think that would be something really interesting to look at is do people who dual use actually yeah. also then smoke their cigarettes more deeply as they would do if they were just cutting down without their e-cigarette yeah, or yeah. not? And my hypothesis would be that they probably don't smoke it because the, to the same intensity because they've still got the some The baseline nicotine. is there, so it's yeah. not as much of a craving. But no, I think that's, that's really interesting to look at. Interesting. <laughs> I was going to say I'll write that down and then I remembered we're recording this, so yeah, I don't need fine, to. It's fine, it's noted. <laughs> Um, And in fact, actually, that sort of slightly brings me on to a slightly cheeky reason for doing this particular podcast is that... Sponsored by it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I'm actually... This is a a call for participants for a study that I'm running. So one thing we know about cigarette smoking is that it has a very specific um, 
what's called a methylation pattern. So the way that our genes are expressed in in each cell depends on sort of... um, the orientation that they are, because sometimes the strands of DNA can be sort of pressed together, which can mean that if a gene is on that bit that's sort of touching or that the, the transcription aspects can't get to, then proteins on that gene might be less likely to be transcribed and right. so might be at lower levels in the body. And what, what genes are sort of facing the rest of the cell compared to kind of being tucked in the middle and away from, from everything else right, okay. is affected by uh, something called methylation, and cigarette smokers have a really, really sp- specific and um, distinct methylation profile. Right. So what I'm running a study trying to see whether e-cigarette users have a methylation profile that's more similar to smokers or more similar to non-smokers. Right, yeah. Because there's some suggestion that it's actually this methylation that's linked to risk for things like cancer. It's not known yet, but we're also trying to look at that as well. Interesting, yeah. But if we can sort of show that e-cigarettes are different to smoking. They might be different to non-smoking as well. It's unlikely to be completely harmless, perhaps. But this might be a way of sort of getting an idea about the long-term effects of using e-cigarettes before we get to sort of that far in the future. It's like, if it is the case that the reason we see this methylation pattern in smoking is because that's predictive of the harms of smoking, then if we see a different methylation pattern in e-cigarette users, that's potentially really interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, as I said, it's, it, it sounds like a very or uh, a logical way of of looking forward rather than, as I said, we have anything that's new. We don't have the long-term yeah. data. Whereas if we can say, right, here's how your genes or cells are if you're not a smoker. Mm-hmm. Here's how they are if you are. Yeah. Therefore, pr- we do have long-term effects of how your genes are if you are a smoker and if you're not. So you can then get a decent... A, a look at what's ahead yeah. for e- e-cigarette smokers. So basically, I'm being slightly cheeky in that yeah, I'm going to great. do a slight call out to everyone listening to get in touch if you want to take part in this study. And in particular, I'm kind of looking for the unicorns of the vaping world. So these people that we've said are, are really rare. So yeah. people who've used e-cigarettes uh, but have never smoked cigarettes. Yeah. Because as we said, there's a really specific methylation profile for cigarette smokers. And if we test people who use e-cigarettes who've who've previously smoked, then they'll still have some residue of this of this profile, and it'll mask any of any course. differences right, that there yeah. might be. So, really, we need people who've used e-cigarettes but have never have never smoked. Yeah. But then we'll also need a group of cigarette smokers and a group of people who've never done either. Yeah. So um, I'm going to put links in Acast, and at the end I'll do a sort of proper description. But if you're interested, then please get in touch because yeah, we are looking for for quite a few people so that we can um, run this study. And all we'll need you to do is um, we'll post you out a pot and we'll need you to spit in it and then post it back to us. It's it's pretty straightforward. You don't need to come into the lab or anything like that. So hopefully it should be relatively easy. But yeah, that is the plug over. It's fascinating. (laughs) But I think that's a a really interesting sort of thing anyway, that even though we can't know about the long-term effects yet, potentially we can find ways to predict what they might be by comparing yeah. comparing them to other things. No, definitely. So in terms of the other effects, there's also some suggestion that um, the vapour might be toxic to human cells. There have been studies where sort of vapour has been put over cells in a Petri dish and shown to be toxic to them. But right. um, the evidence is really mixed. It seems like it might vary by the flavours that are in e-cigarettes. Okay. 
And again, it's really important to, as well as talking about the sort of absolute risk, to think about the risk relative to the risks of cigarette smoke. So this particular study that um, blew uh, vapour over these cells found that there was some cell death from the vapour, but it didn't get so widely reported that even they had to sort of abandon the one where they were blowing cigarette smoke over it because they all died almost immediately. (laughs) It's sort of... It's important to think about the harms of these of, of e-cigarettes, but if you don't compare them to cigarettes, where um, which is sort of what they're trying to replace, to replace yeah. then um, you're sort of missing a potentially really important harm reduction thing. And this yeah. is something we've mentioned in another podcast as well that like harm reduction is is important as well as sort of you're never going to persuade people who want to take drugs that they shouldn't take any drugs yeah. ever at all. A drug-free society is, like, not going to happen. Yeah, so completely. the best thing you can do is be as safe as possible to while you get the whatever enjoyment that you want from drugs. See, I mean, we talked about it in in, in the heroin um, episode, and it's it's that thing, it, it'd be, be-, be- beautiful, it, beautiful if we could just have an all-or-nothing situation, but that's not the real world. Yeah. So the ideal situation is, is don't smoke cigarettes, or, or e-cigarettes. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. But that's not the world that we live in. So if we can g- g- go towards less and less and less and then no people smoking cigarettes and all that's left is e-cigarettes, then that's an improvement. And then we can can tackle that problem next. Yeah. Um, and I, sh- I mean, I should be clear. I think it's probably obvious from the way that I'm talking about this that we, we don't yet know about any potential long-term health problems from, yeah. from e-cigarettes. So there's a lot of of things where I'm kind of caveating everything that I say and that kind of thing. But um, I feel quite confident to say that the chances of e-cigarettes being anywhere near as harmful as cigarettes is is vanishingly small. It's really unlikely. But as I say, if 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 I find out tomorrow that that's wrong, I'll record an update episode, yeah, and, yeah. and that'll be straight up because it's I'm much more interested in getting to sort of the truth than yeah. than any other anything else. Any correct prediction? Yeah, exactly. Um, so, e-cigarette myths. Yes. Oh, actually, this uh, I don't know whether to put this as a myth or not, but um, are e-cigarettes a gateway to smoking? There's certainly no evidence that they are yet. But yeah, it's it's another one where it's sort of time will tell. I mean, and, and again, if they are a, a, a gateway to smoking, it's a gate that it's hard to get through because of the amount of people coming the other way. <laughs> I say they're far more a gateway from smoking because again, so many people who take them are trying to get off of cigarettes. Yeah. So it's one of them that if if it does turn out to be, it will be again. It's 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 it. It's the comparative yeah. element there. It's like, well, it's it, it will be guaranteed taking far more people off smoking than than leading people to smoking. Yeah, and also I think that the the nicotine spike that you get isn't as strong as it is for cigarettes, so it's likely that they're not as addictive as cigarettes. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, I don't know whether to to say that's a myth. I'm erring towards thinking it's a myth. Yeah. But yeah, yeah as I say, time will tell. Okay, actual actual myths. Um, e-cigarettes cause popcorn lung. Right. Now I'm um, popcorn lung. So popcorn lung is I'm going to read this uh, bronchiolitis obliterans, and it's known as popcorn lung because of a case report of eight cases of it at a popcorn factory, and the reason that it was seen at a popcorn factory potentially is because it's linked to this um, chemical called diacetyl, and it's 
diacetyl is a sort of buttery food flavoring. See right. now, popcorn yep. factory. Makes sense. Yep. Um, and it's also used in as a flavoring in certain e-cigarettes, so right. uh, ones that are sort of particularly nutty flavored mm-hmm. e-cigarettes. But the the initial report that led to it being called popcorn lung actually was inconclusive about whether it was definitely the diacetyl that was causing the, right. this outbreak. And there is diacetyl in some e-cigarettes, as we mentioned. Yep. But um, what was also not mentioned when e-cigarettes cause popcorn lung is that diacetyl is found at much higher levels in cigarettes, which right. have not been deemed a potential cause for popcorn, popcorn lung, right. despite yeah. causing a whole lot of other lung problems. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, again, it's like, okay, this potentially dangerous subject substance is definitely in e-cigarette liquids, but it's in much higher quantities in yeah. traditional cigarettes. It's just unnoticed because of all the other damage that's <laughs> done to lungs by, by regular cigarettes. Um, and then second myth, e-cigarettes are as dangerous or more dangerous than cigarettes. And I think I've already said that I think that yeah. this is vanishingly unlikely. But there are a surprisingly large amount of the population still believe that e-cigarettes are at least as harmful as yeah. cigarettes. And if you look in the US and Australia where there's more sort of severe, or certainly the US actually, I don't know about Australia, but where there's more severe um, laws sort of against e-cigarettes kind of lumping e-cigarettes directly in with cigarettes and saying that yeah. there's... In the UK, we've got quite progressive um, debate around e-cigarettes. Not all of the academic community are in agreement, but our policies at the moment reflect the size of sort of cautious optimism yeah. towards e-cigarettes, whereas in the US and Australia, they've come down on the side of they still might be dangerous, therefore right. we will do we'll put in a lot of regulation and, and make it right. difficult yeah, to get yeah, hold yeah. of them. And in the US it's a much, much higher percentage of people believe that they are no better than smoking. It's um, crazy. And again yeah. to to clarify, in in no way is it saying that there's no harm yeah, and absolutely. no risks. But it's saying it's hugely l- less than cigarettes. So uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's not to sit here and say, oh e cigarettes are, are a safe. Yeah. Like, no, there's there's risks and there's harm, but Absolutely. comparatively it's it's minimal. And I think this this came out in reporting when um I think it was last year or possibly the year before that Public Health England put out a press release or a um not even a press release, a whole uh, paper about e-cigarettes and this included the figure that they estimated they were 95% safer than cigarettes. Wow. Yeah. But that's not the same as saying they're 5% harmful. This is in comparison to cigarettes. Something it's kind of harmful, yeah, yeah, relative risk versus absolute risk. They yeah. still might be risky. In fact, they almost certainly are because everything is. Yeah. But um, yeah, in terms of in comparison to cigarettes, potentially a lot less risky. E-cigarettes cause pneumonia. Okay. Um, now, uh, this is a, a funny one. I think there's a couple of things going on here. So, right. first of all, um, I think people just think that the vapour that you exhale is sort of... Because you can see it more than you can see yeah. cigarette smoke. And it's sort of... People think because it's vapour that it's, like, wetter. And yeah, therefore, yeah. that if you're Spicy. ill and you breathe out all your ill, it's going to go to everyone else. Right, More okay. in e-cigarette vapour than cigarette smoke. Right. But, I mean, I don't... I think there's a lot more nasty things in exhaled cigarettes. Well, there's definitely a lot yeah, more yeah, nasty yeah. things in exhaled cigarette smoke than there is in exhaled vapour. And certainly in the case of sort of 
the dangers from secondhand vape versus secondhand cigarette smoke are just incomparable. Yeah. The evidence suggests so far there's hardly any nicotine in secondhand vape and there's very little of anything else. Like, whereas in cigarette smoke, there's all sorts there's of all sorts really, of really bad things. And that's why secondhand smoking is so dangerous to health. Yeah. Whereas it certainly doesn't look like secondhand vaping is going to yeah. be anywhere near. And the other, um, the other issue... I think that people think it might cause pneumonia is because of the liquid itself. So um, if you actually aspirate the liquid, so you get the liquid itself gets into your lungs. Yeah. Um, there's a, a type of pneumonia called lipoid pneumonia, which is happens when you get this kind of liquid in your lungs. Yeah. But as far as I know, there's no evidence of well, certainly if you use your e-cigarette in the correct way, there's no way that you get the actual liquid, liquid into your lungs. Yeah, the yeah. vapour that you inhale is not the same as, as the liquid. Right, yeah. Um, sure. So, yeah, I don't know about if you actually s sort of got the liquid into your lungs somehow. I was going to say swallow it, but then obviously it wouldn't go into your lungs if you swallowed no, it. Yeah, but so swallowing really it is a terrible one. idea. Nicotine is very bad if you swallow it. Don't yeah. swallow it. Um, that should be quite obvious. The final, well, I, I've put it under myths. It's... I don't know if it's a myth uh, that e-cigarettes cause house fires. Right. Um, and yes, they do. If you use a bad charger yeah. on your e-cigarette, like if you use a bad charger on your mobile phone, on your phone or on your yeah. hair dryer or all sorts of things that you plug in can cause can cause fires. Yeah. But you know the biggest cause of house fires is by far is cigarettes. Of course. Cigarettes yeah. left unattended. Wow. So. That's not to that's not to downplay the risks and like if you use an e-cigarette, use the charger it came with and don't leave it plugged in longer than yeah. you need to while it's charging. Um, just sort of be sensible the way you would with any electronic device. It's just a kind of an entertaining irony there that, that the thing that's more likely to burn a house down is again not only looking at all the health risks, it seems across the boards <laughs> cigarettes are trying to steal the show for the biggest risk. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so before we stop, um, anything else? I think something quite interesting about e-cigarettes is that there's now two medically approved e-cigarette devices. Right. So you can, if you go to your doctor and you want to quit smoking, you can ask to be prescribed um, an e-cigarette or something oh, wow. very similar to an e-cigarette. I guess this makes it... I was going to say it makes it slightly different to some of the other drugs that we've talked about, but actually I don't, I'm not sure that's true. I think there are other drugs that you can be, you can be yeah. prescribed amphetamines and you can be prescribed yeah. morphine. And so sure. actually it's not that different. And then what we could, what we could get onto, but I don't know whether it's a good idea is that why is there such a disagreement about e-cigarettes in the academic community? And I, yeah. I don't know whether this is a bit sort of inside baseball or whether yeah. it's actually interesting. It always excites me when it, uh, we get on onto your notes that that are handwritten <laughs> rather than the typed out ones. I mean, so all of us, what's these la last minute things? So yeah, it just means I've done it on the train. That's yeah, all. <laughs> no, but it's good. Again, it is an odd one that, considering all the evidence, it's it's odd that it seems to be such a divisive thing still. And there will be all sorts of conspiracy theories or whatever else of the strength and power of the tobacco industry which is a well documented mm -hmm. thing through political campaigns and everything else over the years that the tobacco industry is a hugely powerful um, industry but it, it's not enough to kind of explain it as simply as that right? Yeah well I think the thing that makes me really kind of sad about it all is that everyone on both sides wants the same thing they want to improve 
people's health. Yeah. Um, they want to reduce cigarette smoking. Yeah. And it's just it's sort of interpreting the evidence differently. And I think that the tobacco industry has a large role in it as the tobacco industry has bought up more and more e-cigarette companies. The sort of academics have found themselves sort of unwillingly perhaps in relationship with the tobacco industry where it's in the right. past it's just been a case of avoiding it but if you're working with an e-cigarette company and then they get bought out by a tobacco company it's yeah. it's a difficult decision then whether to sort of sever ties or carry yeah. on and yeah. I, I think this could potentially lead to difficulties and cigarette manufacturers tobacco companies are actively approaching researchers sort of promoting their new we've turned over a new leaf we've got harm reduction kind of um aspects to our company now and that kind of thing and i think this is very difficult when you see sort of exposés about the underhand tactics that have been used been used and used and used in the past uh, you can't help but worry when you see the sort of the tobacco industry on trying to be on the same side as you, that there's yeah. some ulterior... Yeah. when As I said, when there is such a rich and exposed history of, as you said, the underhanded tactics and everything else, it's it's hard to believe if there's a tobacco company suddenly going, we've, we've cleaned up our act now. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's what's good. So, oh. Yeah. But then on the other side, there are um, researchers who uh, have been working in tobacco control for all of their careers. And in particular, I saw an amazing talk by a guy called Professor John Britton, who's at the University of Nottingham. And he was talking about um, SNUS. So are you aware of SNUS? It's popular in Sweden. It's a smokeless tobacco. And it's kind of in a little tea bag and Mm -hmm. you tuck it up under your gum. And you absorb the nicotine through your mouth. Right. And there was some discussion about allowing snooze to be marketed in the UK sort of maybe 10 or 15, 20 years ago. And he was one of the people who said, oh, no, this is a terrible idea. Um, It's another nicotine device. We don't know about its long-term effects, that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was partly his role that meant it's not you're not allowed to market it over here. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, at this talk I saw him give last year, he said that's one of his biggest regrets is that actually this thing could have been a potential harm reduction device and he right. was one of the people actually involved with preventing it a from preventive. being yeah, marketable yeah, yeah, and he yeah. doesn't want to make that same mistake with e-cigarettes. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the two sides. Like everyone wants the same thing. It's just in a lack of evidence, people have to fill in the gaps with what they think will happen and and it's just really really create this divisive atmosphere again it, yeah it it makes it it makes the only option of divisiveness if 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 it has to be people's theories and projections then yeah there's going to be variation and it can be argued either side i guess yeah. and i was quite worried about doing this episode because the because there is so little sort of long term yeah um, information or no, knowledge about long-term effects and because the same studies are being interpreted in vastly different ways by equally well-respected academics yeah, it's really yeah. difficult to sort of try and tread this line so yeah but I but I thought it was an important one to talk about yeah, even definitely. just to say that there's this uncertainty and there's this sort of there's no uncertainty that um, if you are smoking and um, you can you can stop smoking and use e-cigarettes that it will be less harmful to you to use e-cigarettes yeah. than to smoke. There's yeah. 
all academics are, are in agreement in on that. Yeah. It's just how effective they are and the other kind of things that, that yeah. e-cigarettes bring to the table, like perpetuating your addiction, renormalizing smoking, all this kind of thing that's really causing the disagreement. Yeah, yeah that's fascinating. Awesome. And there we are. Thanks to Dr. Olivia Maynard and Professor Linda Bold for their helpful comments on this episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and do get in touch if you want to. And to remind you again, we're looking for people to take part in our study. We need vapors who've never smoked, or certainly have smoked fewer than 50 cigarettes in their lifetime, smokers who've never vaped, and a group of people who've never done either. At the moment, we're only looking for people aged between 18 and 25, but this may change in the future. If you think you might be eligible, or if you just want to find out more, then drop us an email, csee-sigs-study at bristol.ac.uk. And before I go, I just wanted to mention a couple of other podcasts that I've been meaning to recommend for a while. Uh, the first is obviously Stop and Search, which is also part of the Distraction Pieces Network. And that's really interesting if you want to find out more about sort of drug laws in this country and around the world and that kind of thing. But more recently, a new podcast called What's the Crack has started. And this is a group of PhD students at King's. And they are... Um, taking stories in the press about drugs and sort of going into a bit more detail about the science behind the stories. And it's really, really worth checking out. Now, Pip and I are meeting up soon to record the next batch of podcasts. So if you've any suggestions for what you'd like us to cover, then do get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at Sousaphone. And I'll see you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Say Why to Drugs with me, Dr. Susie Gage. The music was by Jim Murray and the artwork was by at my name is at. Say Why to Drugs would not have been possible without the generous support of I'm a Scientist, Get Me Out of Here, the Medical Research Council and Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces Network. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.